This morning, we're going to continue our series that we began last week in the book of Mark. Last week, we looked at a very foundational principle that to be like Jesus, you must have what? The Holy Spirit. Somebody say that with me. To be like Jesus, you must have the Holy Spirit. That is the foundational, the absolute beginning. You cannot act like Jesus if you ain't got Jesus. Yeah, that's the Dahlonega translation. You, you like that? You can't act like Jesus if you ain't got Jesus. So when you've got a relationship with Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit comes in, then you can begin to emulate this man that... Uh, so many try to say, if we could only all be more like Jesus. Well, to, for that to happen, we must have the Holy Spirit in our life. I want to begin today, though, as we're going to begin to talk about focus by letting you know that this isn't new for you, but there are a lot of distractions in this world that will get us off track of being more like Jesus. And these distractions will come, and they will be very subtle, and you won't even know it's happening until you step back and look and everything is a mess. So I want us today to really begin to focus because our plans, our agenda, the things that we do is often influenced by the world's agenda, by things that we see on social media, by what we hear in the news, by what's going on in our neighborhoods or in our family, we will design our agenda and our life based on these outward influences. And we must be careful. I'm not saying they're all bad. What I'm saying is we must be careful not to let them distract us from that which we need to focus and have a laser view on. I'm reminded of a man who went to visit a friend one day. He had, he had bought him a new place. He had bought him a farm. He had him a, a farmhouse, a barn. It was a beautiful place. And his friend had never gone to visit him. And it, he had been living there for a couple of months. And so he goes to visit this man on, on the farm. On his way up to the farmhouse, he saw this beautiful, picturesque barn. And he just had to stop and look. He got out and he went out there and he started looking at the barn and smelling the smells. And he noticed there were these little holes in the side of the barn. So he went outside and he got to looking. And there were targets all over the barn. And every single one of them, there was a bullseye right in the middle of the target. So he gets in his car and he drives up to the farmhouse. And he says, John, he knocks on the door. John comes out. He says, John, man, you got a beautiful place here. I love the barn. I stopped. I was down there looking. And I noticed someone is an absolute marksman like I have never seen. Who in the world shot all those holes in the side of your barn? He said, well, I did that. He said, well, John, I just had no idea you were that good of a marksman. He said, oh, shucks, I ain't that good. I just shoot the barn and then paint the target right around the hole that I shot. <laughs> There's a lot of people in this world that's good at painting and deceiving and making us think they're on target when they're really not. There's a lot of good Christians that's good at painting, but not good at shooting and making the mark that God has set forth for us. Today we're going to look at this focus. We're in the book of Mark in chapter 1. Today I want us to, to discover... How can we make sure that we are hitting the mark and not making everybody think we are? So that's where we're going to be today, and we're going to look at Jesus to figure all this out. 
I want us to really think about Jesus' life. When someone says, oh, we should all be more like Jesus, there are certain things that are expectations, you know, like more love and more caring and more things of that nature. So there's a lot of things that can be mentioned, but I want us to look at Scripture and pull out of Scripture some, uh, a couple of common characteristics, a couple of things that are common character for people when they refer to being more like Jesus. I wanted you to look in your word. If, if you've got God's word in your hand, that's great. If you've got it on your phone, that's great, or your tablet. Just have God's word. And let's look in Mark chapter 1, verse 29. Now what has happened up to this point is Jesus has gone into the synagogue and he was doing some teaching and, and along came this, this demon-possessed man and Jesus heals him on the Sabbath day. And on the Sabbath day, you don't even heal people according to Jewish custom. But Jesus has healed someone on the Sabbath day, and he and his disciples that he has at this point, in verse 29, it says, And immediately after they came out of the synagogue, they came into the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was lying sick with a fever. And immediately they spoke to Jesus about her. Now, I want you to notice there's a couple of words that are repeated here that we talked about last week, and that's the word immediately. Mark is really getting across this idea of this immediacy, this action, this this movement that is taking place. There isn't a delay when you use the word immediate. There isn't a, a moment of pause or thinking. It is immediate. So we see these two things, and Mark is really trying to get this across to us, that as soon as they came out of the synagogue, and as soon as they went into the house, they found that, that Peter's mother-in-law had a fever. And as soon as they found that out, they went and told Jesus. And this is important. Verse 31. And he came to her and raised her up taking her by the hand, and the fever left her, and she waited on them. I do believe that there's a common character here that we can see that is coming across the board, uh, whether you're a Jesus follower or not, and that is this idea of caring for the sick. Here, Jesus, he cared for the sick. Now, we can say, let's be more like Jesus and care for the sick, and that would be a good thing. I also notice here that we don't read where Mark said the disciples asked him to do something about it. They told Jesus that she had a fever and was sick, and Jesus immediately went and took care of that. Why? Because he said it with me. He cared. Somebody say care. Jesus cared. And Jesus cares for you. He cares for you when you're sick, when you're at home, and you, and you think that your head's going to explode. Jesus cares. When you have tears rolling down your face because you feel so bad, Jesus cares. Jesus cares for the sick. I want us to skip over to verse 40, if you will, and I want us to read of another encounter with Jesus and find another thing that's common in character with Jesus and and anybody who don't even know Jesus. Jesus exhibits these characters, but in a moment we're going to get into the fact of the one thing that's different between Jesus and all others who are nice and kind and caring for the sick. Check this out in verse 40. And a leper came to Jesus. A what? A leper. Now, let's talk about a leper for a second. A leper was someone that had a skin disease that was so bad and contagious that they had to isolate themselves. They had to social distance themselves. You hear me? They had to stay away from everybody because they had 
leprosy. And this leper who had been an outcast who couldn't be around people, let me read this again, and a leper came to Jesus, beseeching him and falling on his knees before him and saying, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Here is a man who is sick and he is hurting because leprosy was very, very painful. Leprosy would actually, your limbs, your fingers would actually rot and fall off. It was a nasty, terrible disease. But here comes this man who is unclean. He comes to Jesus beseeching or begging and falling on his face and saying, if you will, make me clean. Now, why would he come to Jesus? Because the news of him was, was spreading that this man can perform miracles and do things that no one else can. This man's doing things that doctors can't even do. This man can do stuff that doctors can't figure out how to fix. Let me tell you something. Jesus can fix this coronavirus. It's not beyond his power. But here's this man who comes... He has this leprosy, and let's see what happens. Verse 41, moved with compassion. Moved with compassion, Jesus stretched out his hand, and what? Wait a minute. The man had leprosy. The last thing you ever do when someone has leprosy is touch them. The last thing you ever do when somebody has the coronavirus is kiss them. All right, it's that level. When somebody's got the coronavirus, you just don't walk up and, and, and swap spit with them, okay? <laughs> That's just something you don't do. Jesus walks up to this man. He falls down, and Jesus touches the very thing the priests say, stay away from. Jesus reaches out and touches him. Why? Because it said he was moved with what? Compassion. So the second thing is this, Jesus, the common character he had that all these other good people have, is compassion for the hurting. Jesus was not void of these things. Jesus had these things. He is our example for these things. And he reached out and touched him and said, I am willing, be clean. Now see, this leper believed Jesus could do something and left it into his hands whether he would do something or not. See, our problem today is we get distracted thinking Jesus is our ATM machine and when we're sick, He should fix it. That when things go bad, He should make everything right. That I shouldn't suffer. Let me tell you something. That is not the truth of Scripture. That is the truth of man who wants you to feel better and feel good. Jesus is, is always able, but He's not always willing because He's got a plan. We're going to get to that in a second. Because that's what's going to set Jesus apart from Buddha and Confucius and all these other uh, things that are out there, all these other religions and these cults that are out there. They can all say, let's be good to each other. Let's care for one another. Let's have compassion. But there's a distraction that happens that I don't want us to find ourselves victims of. Verse 42, immediately, Mark uses that word again. Immediately, the leprosy... Immediately the leprosy left him, and he was cleansed. Immediately it was gone. And he sternly warned him and immediately sent him away. Jesus said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest, offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded as a testimony to them. In other words, Jesus is saying, Listen, this is a big thing in your life, but don't go tell people because it's white. Why would Jesus say that? Because it wasn't quite the time for God's plan to come to fruition. 
Jesus had compassion and he did something amazing in this person's life. But God's plan was not at that moment that this guy should just go out and start telling everyone. So Jesus tells him, don't tell nobody. And you know what the man did? He went and told everybody. He was saying, you won't believe what happened to me. But that is not the point of the story. Jesus made a difference in this man's life. Jesus had compassion and Jesus cared for the sick. Those are things that we have in common whether we follow Christ or we don't. But Jesus had these things. But I want to get to the thing that sets him apart from all others. Because let's not buy into the lie that if, we're just, if we just care and have compassion, we'll be like Jesus. No, there's another step to it. Don't fall short and get distracted and start painting your target around, well, I care for people and I have compassion and I love everyone. Let's get to the point and hit the bullseye. So let's get back. To verse 35. Because right in between these two bookends of stories is an incredible event I don't want you to miss. In verse 35 it says, Early in the morning, while it was still dark outside, Jesus got up, left the house, and went away to a secluded place and was praying. Simon and his companions searched for him. They, they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. He said to them, Then let us go get something done. Let's go help these people. I mean, they need help. Is that what your Bible says? If you're looking at it, you'll find that is not Jesus' response. We would expect it to be. Jesus is caring. He has compassion. But listen to what Jesus says because this is the bullseye that we miss in just thinking that we just need to be caring and compassionate and loving and tolerant to be able to be like Jesus. Listen to what Jesus said. Let us go someone, somewhere else to the towns nearby. Now wait a minute, Jesus. There are people at the door. If you read just right before this, the whole bunch of people have shown up because they've heard about Jesus and they're going, hey, it's early morning, but I, my baby is sick. My wife is sick. There's stuff going on in my life. I need Jesus to do something about it. Jesus, where are you at? Come on, Jesus, come out here and help me. ATM, where's my debit card? I need something. And Jesus has gone off to pray. And we would expect Jesus to say, well, let's get on it. we got a task to do. But instead, Jesus says, nope, let's leave this place. Wait a minute. I thought we are talking about being more like Jesus. That don't even sound like Jesus, does it? But look what else he says. There's a reason why he's saying, I'm not going to rush out here and do what all these people are demanding and commanding me to do because, look at verse 40. Let us go somewhere else, somewhere else to the towns nearby so that I may preach there also, for that is what I came for. See, he understood a bullseye in his life. That target was God's kingdom, not people kingdom. Mm, come on now. Here is what we need to do to be more like Jesus. Here's what is the difference between a follower of Christ and someone who, who can be an atheist or whatever doing good things on the street. Here's the difference. Here is the target. Be resolved to follow God's purpose and His plan. His purpose and His plan. See, there's the difference. You can stand side by side by someone who is an atheist and feed the hungry. 
and you're doing a good thing. But to be more like Jesus, you're doing it and you're living your life because of God's kingdom, not because of people. Follow me now, because this is an absolute difference between Jesus being more like Him and just being a good person. At home, in our kitchen, we have different appliances. We have a stove that's good for cooking. We have a refrigerator that's good for freezing and keeping things cold. We have a mixer that's good for mixing. We have appliances that have certain purposes and they have been designed for certain things. Now, we do not walk up to the oven. I don't take my biscuits that I've padded out with my hand. Yeah, that's right. I don't cut it out with a glass. My mama taught me use your hand to make those cat head biscuits, right? But you, I don't take those biscuits and put it on, on, on my little um, stoneware and stick it in the refrigerator and go, cook it, cook it. Come on, refrigerator, cook it. You know what I would be after an hour? I would be thrown out of the house because my family's going to be going, where's those biscuits? And if I took my milk and stuck it in the oven and expected it to stay good for a month, what do you think is going to happen? It's going to go bad. Why? Because those two appliances are designed for a specific purpose. They are placed in the places they are to be used in a certain way. We have been called by God to glorify Him and to build His kingdom, not our kingdom. And when we start building our kingdom and focusing on people and people kingdom building, then we lose the sight of what God's purpose is for us. Now, I would love... To just stand up here and tell you, let's just be more caring. Let's just be more loving. Let's be more open-minded and let's be more tolerant. I would fall short because we must be about the kingdom business first and foremost. Now that includes those other things. But Jesus understands here that I have a purpose greater than what people are demanding of me. There is something I've been called to do. There is something I must be about. There is, a, there is a message I must spread and something I must accomplish that's much more greater than healing. We must come to grips with this and understand this. See, the problem comes in when we become consumed by things that's not God's agenda. In this world... We can look around and see how this world has become consumed by things that's not God's agenda things. Consumed by being right and having a, an opinion that's better than everyone else's. Can I tell you today, ladies and gentlemen, there's only one opinion that matters and that is God's opinion, God's word, and God's kingdom. This kingdom of this world is being run by Satan. The Bible says, even Jesus declared, the prince of this world is Satan. He's the one running this stuff. And his kingdom is out to destroy and to kill and to divide and mess up everything. But Thanks be unto God, God's kingdom is everlasting, eternal, and it has hope and peace and joy and love and grace and forgiveness. God's kingdom is where we must be focused. That's our target. That's where we must keep our eyes. The word kingdom in the Greek means rule of authority. Today, there's a lot of people that want to rule and have the authority of of an opinion in your life. But I'm here to declare to you today 
the one that should only matter, that should matter the most, is God's opinion, God's rule, God's authority. You know, in John chapter 18, verse 36, Jesus references this idea of the kingdom when he's standing before Pilate and he's being tried. And Pilate has in his hands life or death. And as they are standing there, Pilate says in verse 35, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and chief priests delivered you to me. What have you done? And Jesus answered and said, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom was of this world, then my servants would be fighting so that I would not be handed over to the Jews. But if my kingdom is not part of my, but my kingdom is not part of this realm. Jesus is saying here, and he's giving us a direction and a target that our focus must be on God's kingdom first and foremost. That's where we must intently keep our eyes. Even in the Lord's uh, example prayer that he gave us when the disciples asked and said, Jesus, how shall we pray? It begins with our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. What? Thy kingdom come. It doesn't say make my kingdom great. It says your kingdom come. Let your what? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom of God is not here, it's there, but we have been put here to bring that to here. So we must be about the kingdom business so the kingdom of heaven can be here on this earth for people. One day we shall be ushered into the kingdom of God. Revelation 21 and 22, you can read about the new heaven and the new earth and the new city. That is the place where God's kingdom becomes a reality for each of us. Until then, we're surrounded by ideas that are not of God's kingdom. So be careful. Do not let this world distract us from being about the kingdom business. Each of us has a role to play. No matter our past, no matter what's going on in our life, each of us have a role to play in building God's kingdom and being about His business. So often, distractions have come. So today, this message is declared to you. You want to be more like Jesus? And you believe that we need more people like Jesus. Somebody just say amen. If we had more people like Jesus, the mess that's surrounding us in this world would not be at its level right now. But to be more like Jesus, you have to be about the Father's business. And let me put it to you bluntly. That's not about building your kingdom. It's not about you looking good. It's not even about you being right. Oh, oh. Hold on, that hurt. It's not even about you being right. You can be right and mess up God's kingdom. So be careful what you say, how you say it. When we come to a place where every word is filtered through the Holy Spirit, then we can begin to build God's kingdom. And sometimes, have you ever been around 
someone in a particular situation and you know how it's going to turn out? I mean, have you ever <laughs> have you ever known someone's about to just crash? And no matter what you say, it's going to happen and you have to just stand back and watch it happen. I remember when Buddy was smaller. He was just learning to ride his bicycle. And he thought it was going to be great to get his bike up at the top of our driveway. And our, our driveway is a hill, and it goes all the way down right into our garage. And he just thought it would be wonderful to ride his bicycle. He's learning. I think it even still had training wheels on it. And so he's up there, and I'm watching this from a distance. I'm going, this is probably not going to turn out good. And when I saw him kick off and then stick his feet out, not even on the pedals, and he's headed toward the garage, I want you to know I saw it coming and there wasn't a thing I could do about it. Here he goes, he's going down that driveway and he gets faster and faster and I want you to know he never did hit the brakes. And when he hit that, that garage, it was like one of those cartoons wherever you just splatter. He put his arms out and his legs and he just went, blam! <laughs> and then he fell backwards. It was, <laughs> I wish I had it on video. I knew it was coming. Now, I didn't expect what came next because he got up and he went, that was fun, I won't do it again. <laughs> but you know, sometimes we can see what's coming and we want to speak into someone's life and say you'd better not do that that is a dumb idea you're thinking wrong what you have in your mind is not of God and you better be careful and sometimes there are moments that we need to speak truth but don't let that be prompted by your flesh but let it be prompted by the spirit before you say something make sure it's God that wants you to say it sometimes we need to just be quiet because God's doing a work in their life to bring them to a place of surrender to Him. So what must we do? Because each of us have a role to play when it comes to building God's kingdom. Well, I think the first thing to do is we need to consistently seek God. Look at verse 35 again in Mark chapter 1. If we want to be more like Jesus, let's be more like Jesus. So let's read what Jesus did. In the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, he left the house, and went away to a secluded place, and was praying there. Well, the first thing that we need to do is we need to consistently be seeking God. You will not know what is God's kingdom and what is this world's kingdom, you will not know what is, what is being influenced by the flesh or by God if you're not seeking God Himself. You can have the Holy Spirit dwelling in your life. You can know Christ as your Lord and Savior. You can be following after Him, but yet not be listening to Him. So my challenge to you is this. How intently are you seeking God each and every day? Look, look at this. Jesus had had a busy day the day before. Well, Pastor, I'm just so tired in the morning. I stay up late. Look what Jesus did. While it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went to a quiet place, a secluded place, away from everybody, and he prayed. 
How much are you seeking God right now? If you want to be about the one thing that's going to make you more like Christ versus just being a good person, doing nice things, then you have to be seeking Him and be about building His kingdom, not our own. The second thing is this. We must resolve to follow His plan. Whether good or bad, whether it makes sense to us or not, whether it's logical or whether it's not. Because look what was going on. All these people were knocking at the door. Jesus, we need you. Jesus, we need help. We're hurting. We're hungry. We're sick. I've been suffering for years. Whatever their story was, Jesus said, we must go away from here. Because God's got a plan. And I've got to be about His business. That had to be difficult. To say no. Sometimes God calls us to say no. Sometimes God calls us to say yes. Sometimes we need to stand for truth and let the truth be out there. And sometimes we need to keep silent and let God speak truth. We have to stop playing God and start acting more like Christ. I've been thinking a lot about the challenge for the next seven days. God laid on my heart probably a month and a half, two months ago, the number 21. 21 days of prayer. And this week, whenever we watched what happened in the nation's capital here in the United States, I wept as I, crawled, as I walked across from the office to help hand out food. Tears came to my eyes. Your political persuasion does not matter at this moment, neither does mine. Why I wept was to see the results of the prince of this world getting his way. And I weep because there are hurting people in this world. There are people in need. There are people that have stories that would break your heart. And yet the prince of this world wants to do nothing but divide and conquer and destroy. So this morning, the Lord prompted my heart at our men's group, and I had to go change some things online and stuff about the seven-day challenge. I was not planning on starting the 21 days of prayer today. I don't have all the details worked out, but you know what I have to do? I have to follow what God's telling me to do, whether I've got the details worked out or not. So beginning today, we're going to have 21 days of prayer. And then on the 22nd day, we're going to be taking the Lord's Supper here in this room and in your house. So for 21 days, we're going to pray. For the next seven days, I want you to just simply pray that God's kingdom prevails that God's kingdom prevails. And maybe this week, why don't we start with individually in our life? And let's pray that God's kingdom will prevail in this church. We could pray generic prayer and say, God, may your kingdom prevail. But I want us to be specific. I want you to pray, God, let your kingdom prevail in my life. May what I say and do be about building your kingdom not my own. Let me 
say and do those things that bring your glory, whether I'm comfortable with it or not. Pray for yourself that God's kingdom will prevail in your life. And then pray that here at Chicopee Baptist Church that his kingdom will prevail. Because we are a family. We are a group. We are, we are a group of people who say Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior and we're family here. We're brothers and sisters. Amen? You want to hear something pretty neat? We have someone in Chattanooga, Tennessee that tunes in every Sunday. She sends her tithes here. She has sent food for our food pantry. She's part of our church. She's our sister in Christ. We had two people last Sunday watch us from the Netherlands, or two devices logged in from the Netherlands last Sunday during our service. I don't know if they're watching today or not. Lord knows I don't know how they understand my country English. (laughs) But God's Word's going out all over the world, and those who call Jesus Christ their Savior, who call this their church, who, who say this is their church home, let's pray for this place to build God's kingdom. It's not about making Chicopee look good. And it sure ain't about me looking good because that would take a miracle. It's about Jesus looking good. It's about God's people being a light on a hill. It is about people in this community going, you know, this whole nation and world may have may have just gone to to be a mess all around us. But there's one place I see the light of Christ. That's at Chicopee Baptist Church. You know what we're talking about? We're talking about letting revival start right here. We're talking about let's begin with revival beginning in this circle right here around me. Praying for God's kingdom to prevail in my life. And then let's pray that it prevails in our church. And now you're talking about praying for revival. And you're talking about making a difference in our communities and in our world. But those of you who are ready for the challenge, this is not going to be easy. It will not always make you feel good. It is not going to be something that you're going to wake up in the morning and go, Hot dog! Because Jesus just might have something for you to do that you don't want to do. He may interrupt your plans. But if you will let Him, if you will have the audacity and courage to let Him, He will use you in ways you never thought possible. Lives can be changed when we, as Jesus did, keep our minds focused on what He's called us to do and build God's kingdom first and foremost. So before you hit reply on that Facebook post, listen to the Spirit. Listen to the Spirit. There's a lot of things that I would like to say to a lot of people. And sometimes I've gotten flesh and I've said it. But I want to be the kind of person that always listens to the Lord to God, everything I say and do. How about you today? Where are you? Is God's kingdom the foremost forefront thing that you need to do? By your heads this morning with me. Gina, come and play. Let's pray together right now. There is a lot of agendas in this world. 
we can look around and see a lot of opinions and ideas and thoughts and, and directions and, and stuff that is just around us that's creating, created such confusion and turmoil and hurt and pain. And this world is a mess. Let's start cleaning house in our own house. Let's come to the Lord. Let's, let's let Him do something that only He can. God, I pray right now. Father, I pray that Your kingdom will prevail in my life. Father, the sin that needs to be gotten rid of, that You will do that. Lord, that the times that I need to be listening to you more, that you'll prompt me to do that. Father, as John said, I must decrease so that he must increase. Lord, may I decrease so that Christ may increase. Lord, don't let me build my kingdom, but let me build yours. Don't let me serve people and be good just simply so they'll look at me and pat me on the back. But Father, may I do it so that they'll look at you and say, boy, God is good. Look what he's doing. Father, today, may your kingdom be built in this place, in this church, in the homes of those who are connected to this place. May your kingdom be built. This church will be nothing without the people. So Lord, we pray today that you work in their hearts and minds so that we may collectively build your kingdom. And Lord, today, I'm sure there are people listening that are not a part of your kingdom, that do not know Jesus, who may have all kinds of varying opinions about things I've said or the things that, that I've read or just things that they believe. Father, the fact still remains that you love them so much you left heaven and came to earth to die for them so that the Holy Spirit can live in them. So Father, I pray right now that you convict their hearts, that they'll simply ask you to forgive them and take over their life. It's that simple. Thank you for making it that simple, Lord, that all they have to do just say, God, forgive me and take over my life. Lord, this world will not be different until you do a work in my heart and in my life. This morning, I don't know what God's doing in your mind and in your heart, but I want you to respond to that right now. Maybe it is to pray. Maybe you need to request prayer or have someone pray for you. And if that's the case, we're going to have a deacon standing up here, and I'll be standing up here if you need to come and pray this morning. Maybe you need to come and just, just make the commitment. God, I've been distracted and I want to be
committed to building your kingdom. Maybe that's the commitment you need to make today. Whatever it is, will you come? Because we're going to stand and we're going to sing. Oh, we're going to sing. Because this world needs Jesus. And it begins with me. And it begins with you. It don't begin with the politicians or Washington. It begins with us. We're the hope. So let's build God's kingdom.